Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about the Lord's Supper again. Surprise. Again. Surprise. Again. Surprise. It's, it's like uh, Groundhog Day. It uh, just, you know, same thing. Same. <laughs> Different if days. This same is The thing. God Whisperers. It must be the, you know, actually, to be fair, we we have devoted four segments to to baptism. I think we did four on confession. So so this is not well. This, this is, is our fourth on fourth on, on, on the Lord's communion. Supper. We, and, we we may or may not make it, and we are up to the the third question. <laughs> Actually, we're up to the second question. So, <laughs> but it, well, it, let's see. We did what is the sacrament of the altar and and, where is and this the words written? of in, and the words of institution. Oh, I counted where is this written yeah. as as a question. <laughs> <laughs> but we're being thorough, and we and are. We have we have turned over every stone. There has there has to be no. We have many more to turn. Uh, over you here. you might. <laughs> You're just going to trip over them. But we. I don't know. I feel like maybe we need to back up, and we we owe uh, baptism an extra episode. <laughs> we could do that. We <laughs> recycle. We've, we've ripped off. You know, baptisms have been this, left out. This is kind of like the adult catechism class that runs amok. You ever you ever have one of those? You tell them it's going to be twelve weeks. Oh, and then yeah. you're you're into week fourteen, and and they're getting a little nervous because you're still treading water in in baptism or something well, like that. Most of my classes keeps, run that way because somebody keeps diverting the discussion. Well, yeah, and as long as it's a good discussion it's worthy you know it's, as long as it's not you know well tell me about your your son's t-ball game the other day or something like you know it's it's worthy so i, I don't know i love the socratic method because it's very dialogical and you you just get keep what no you, you like the socratic method because you don't have to prepare anything well, that's my my. That's that's for me to. You, you are, I will neither confirm nor deny yeah. that. <laughs> you're, you're sitting there thinking you're brilliant. They're sitting there thinking he didn't prepare for this. <laughs> now, usually they're like he goes off on the weirdest tangents. Yeah, that's that's evidence. That's evidence of lack of preparation. Though, see, I'm always torn with with a Bible class. I'm I'm always torn with being over prepared. To the point where you're just kind of delivering some lecture. It, it sounds like something right. straight out of the seminary or, you know, um, and being underprepared where you're totally malleable. You can talk about anything that catches your interest and you're thankful something interesting has come up because you, you didn't have no, you, you didn't have a dog in the hunt. Wow. That's that's really, you just broke the Eighth Commandment. I'm, I'm calling you to repent on that. No, I'm telling you how it is with me. Oh, okay. So, well, know, in that case, you can, can assume Can I slander myself? No. I, no. I, I usually do, but... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Phone anyway, uh, are we going to talk housekeeping at all? Yeah. Phone number six two six five nine three seventy seven thirteen or Manly Doctors thirteen Excellent. Manly DRS thirteen. Love that. And uh, I'll let you do the website. Web www.godwhispers.com. Uh, Godwhisperers and uh, email at godwhispers at gmail. Dot com. You know, since we're doing housekeeping, we may as well knock this out in the front end. These guys aren't paying us, but they're our friends. And Yet. <laughs> we want to we want to see them do well because when they do well, they put more money in Swirless Plate on Sunday morning since, uh, well, at least one of them is one of your parishioners. Uh, NewReformationPress.com. They've got yes. all sorts of really cool stuff. They've got uh, their latest things that they're really pumping here are uh, Singing the Faith DVD, which is a four-segment 
DVD on Hymnody, Lutheran Hymnody. It's, I guess, a very, very good program. I've, I've seen the... It's out of the Good Shepherd Institute of Fort Wayne Seminary. Right. They, they sent out a sampler to all the pastors, ah, okay, and, yeah. and I saw that, and it was excellent. So I'm looking forward to getting this. Uh, it's in four, four 20-minute segments. You can use it for your Bible class. I'll probably do that next Lent, because I'm always looking for an easy way out during Lent. There you go. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> they have music from Anonymous 4, which is really beautiful music. Anonymous 4 rocks. You know, they're disbanded. Yeah. They're, they're not oh, doing... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they, uh, they hung it up a few years ago. Um, you ever ever hear them in person? No. I got to hear them. They, they were premiering a Taverner, a John Taverner piece at um, a Greek Orthodox church in Irvine. Is that the one that Pat went to with you? Or did he... I know he went Somebody to went to Pat's one. one of the guys from New Reformation. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but Anonymous 4 was there, and, and they are just... I mean, it's just spine-tingling to listen. It, it's unusual because this polyphonic chant was not uh, historically chanted by women. Hmm. And uh, but they've you know they've had they've re-registered it and uh, but they have these pure absolutely pure voices and and they have this kind of it's it's this, uh, watching them is is really interesting because they they have a kind of a visual contact with each other too as well as perfectly blended voices hmm. you know by gesture and stuff mm-hmm. and and it's seamless you just hmm. shut your eyes and it's just seamless with beautiful beautiful uh, vocalization. I have to YouTube that, see if they're on there. Oh, anywhere. I'm sure they are. That would, that would be worthy of seeing. And then, of course, you can get your pocket edition of the Book of Concord through New Reformation Press. I, I had one. I lost it. It's, it was too small. I, I, I left <laughs> yeah. it somewhere. Now, this thing is about five inches thick. Yeah. This is, this is <laughs> it's the, about five by seven inches and about five inches thick. It's, it's like a mini phone book. This is to the confessional Lutheran what a plastic pocket protector used to be to a science geek. <laughs> you know, this is for your doctrine wonk. Your favorite doctrine want get them a little book of concord if you have oversized cargo pants you may be able to get it into a pocket yeah it'll fit in the cargo pants yeah yeah no it's it's good take it along with you on on air air flights long long flights and stuff um so anyway new com. go check it out get your t-shirts get your all your stuff there it's it's good stuff they're and, cool they're very cool site and they're our friends so we like them uh, let's let's uh talk about the lord's supper Great, uh, great, great idea, Craig. We, now, we, it's 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 been a while <laughs> since we never prepare for this program. Uh, I have notes. I'm looking at notes. <laughs> let's let's get back on track with the catechism, shall we? Uh, that'd be a good. Let me ask you this question: Uh-oh. What what is the benefit of this eating and drinking of the Lord's I'm Supper? I'm glad that you asked that. These words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. You know, I hear about you lifelong Lutherans that when you were in... in <laughs> you, you, you Lutherans. Yeah. That's me. That, that when you were a kid in confirmation class, that you would aspire to give all these answers in one breath. Is that true? <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 it harkens back to the exam Sunday, which was usually Palm Sunday, or, or every church had its own thing. And that's where the pastor would stick this this microphone prone to feedback in your face, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And, and, and the smart kids always got the really difficult, um, the, the long, difficult questions, and, and the not-so-smart kids got the, the easier, you know, like, you know, Jesus wept, you know, for their, their Bible verse. <laughs> But uh, you know, you 
you, you really tried. You're going for style points as, as well as content. And uh-huh. So yeah, absolutely. You, you wanted you wanted to be able to just rattle that baby off and and also not make the microphone feedback or don't puke or don't wet yourself either. That that was really kind of considered a successful day. Fond fond memories of that. That's that's how you that's how you kind of earned your way into the ranks of true Lutheranism is exam Sunday, a true rite of passage. Oh, it 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 really was in so many ways. Um, I don't know if it did any good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> most of us aren't. Most of us aren't in the faith. Last time I checked, but uh, Oof. but we we uh, we we did rattle off those answers. <laughs> you know, surprisingly though, here's the weird thing: is that if I recall correctly, the Lord's Supper did not enter into our our exam. That was like a little supplemental one that came down the road. Really? Yeah, it was kind of like a throw-in. A lot of time on the commandments. Huh. Yeah, commandments, the commandments and maybe the creed got the bulk of the 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 the, the work. You must have been very disobedient children. Well, I think all parents had a vested interest in make sure you teach them the commandments, especially that fourth, fourth one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> got to they got to know the commandments. But uh you know, when it came down to this, we really didn't memorize this as thoroughly wow. as we did the commandments and their meaning and the articles of the creed and their meanings. Too. And so this was kind of um, kind of a throw-in, which you know reflected, I think, the piety of of Lutheranism in the fifties. You're talking about life for Lutherans, um, you know, and that was the piety that I was kind of born and baptized into, where the Lord's Supper was not a main component of Lutheran piety. It was a second and fourth Sunday sort of thing. Mm. So we didn't have weekly communion. Uh, we just had we had twice a month at at each of the services, and and that was kind of considered sufficient. And there are chunks of Lutheranism where once a month or once a quarter is considered the norm. This too. this kind of came back into vogue in Lutheranism in the late sixties, early seventies with Peepcorn and those guys, right? Well, I don't know if you can trace it to Peepcorn, but there's there's certainly a um, the liturgical renewal people, right? Uh, kind of recovered the understanding that the Lord's Supper was a weekly event. You know, and the confessions say that we celebrate the mass every Sunday and festival days. So, so you know, the Reformation practice was it was available. Although even in Luther's day, people didn't commune every Sunday, but it was there. Hmm. You know, you got to remember they 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 communed while fasting, in general, yeah. and and they had to have gone to confession beforehand. So, so it wasn't like you just kind of said, "Oh, it's Sunday, going to the Lord's Supper," but there was there was a fair amount of preparation involved prior to that. Well, let's let's get to this: the benefits of eating and drinking, which should be often, and so we we do encourage you to go weekly if if it's available, or whenever it's available. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, let me get a cough drop here, <laughs> a lozenge. <laughs> Very nice. There we go. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with all of <laughs> we, us. We've been joking around about this off air. So we. <laughs> But I really did need a copy. It's, it's anyway. effective. It, it's it's effective live radio. It, it, <laughs> you know, this question kind of reminds me of the nutritional labels that are slapped on all food these days. You know, that tell you the fat grams and the sodium and uh, the vitamins and the minerals and everything. So you know what the nutritive value of what you're eating is. Uh, this really kind of is the nutritive value of the Lord's Supper. What 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 is its its you know what do you get what do you get from it? Because there's hardly much in the way of bread and wine. But, uh, you know, uh, relying on the words of Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, we have this great sentence uh, at the end, where there is forgiveness of sins, there's also life and salvation. That's good stuff. Yeah, and, and so that, but that's the, the value of the Lord's Supper. What are, you, 
what what are the energies or the vitalities of this food? Um, they are forgiveness of sins, uh, eternal life, salvation, literally everything that Christ died for. As I was learning this, I remember learning that where there is Jesus, there is forgiveness, and where there is forgiveness, there is eternal life and salvation. And uh, so what is it that we're receiving here? Jesus. And what kind of Jesus do we have? One who forgives us and gives us life and salvation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think of it in terms of just think in terms of bread and uh, bread is stored energy. It's it's the minerals of the soil, the energies of the sun, uh, which the grain uh, is the grain kind of brings those together and stores that. And when the grain is ground and baked into bread and you eat the bread, then you release all the energies and vitalities of soil and sun. Wow. And, and that now, you know, to a tiny negligible extent, that's also the case in the Lord's Supper. We do eat bread and therefore we, we you know, we, we partake of those. But the true energies and vitalities of the Lord's Supper are uh, what, what is given with the body and the blood of Christ, namely the gifts of his death and his life his sacrificial death and his his literally his grave conquering life so this body that was born of mary crucified on the cross raised from the dead glorified at the right hand of god is now given to us as as food and and drink for our sustenance as well i think if you take that the wrong way you can end up with the uh, infused righteousness idea though if if you're thinking that you're i'm i'm not decrying what you're saying at all i think that you're absolutely dead on but a misunderstanding of this could lead you to say, well, I'm sending away Jesus, and so now I need to store up more Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, the filling station model. Yeah. You know, I saw, I actually saw a kind of a YouTube sort of video. Uh, somebody was actually presenting this as a good thing, um, the idea of, of how, you know, somebody's dragging through the, the world every day and sinning, and his, his, his kind of forgiveness meter is, is going to empty. Yeah. And and he needs to stoke up again on forgiveness, and and so he's barely he's barely alive. He drags himself into church, and then he hears the word and receives the sacrament, and all of a sudden, you know, the, he's coming back to life again, and and his tank is full, and he's he's raring to go again. So it's it's the uh, the filling station model of forgiveness. Well, churches that have midweek services, and they say this is a great time to get recharged and refilled, and and all that. It's true. I mean, I I wouldn't decry a midweek service at all, but. Um, it's not as though you're you're leaking your Jesus all week long, you know, <laughs> or that forgiveness can be consumed up, right. you know, that that by sinning we sort of use it's like a battery that uh, by sinning we we run the batteries down and, yeah. and they need to be charged up right. again. Um, yeah, all of that is 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 I think it's it, it it may it may serve as kind of a simplistic illustration, but I don't think it's really accurate way of saying what's going on here. Forgiveness is always whole and entire as is life and salvation. Now, if you can be involved in a community of faith where you come together on a very regular basis and, and you encourage each other in, in the Word of God and encourage each other uh, with the, the grace of Christ, I, by all means, do that every day if you can. But uh, uh, Yeah, Roman you know, Church has daily Mass, and yeah. some people actually participate in it every day. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that either. That, no. that's a, um, it's whenever it's available. Yeah, and right. it does build you up. I mean, it, it does build up your your faith. The more you learn, the the stronger your faith will be. You mm. look funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just marveling at that. But there, yeah, no. I mean, you know, that's one of the biggest things that, that apologetics does is it gives believers a more firm foundation, and it 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 really isn't 
terribly effective for getting a lot of people in the church. What? What apologetics. is apologetics? How do we get yeah. on to apologetics? How'd you get well, on to apologetics? Because I'm, I'm just saying that apologetics does a lot to build up the faith. And, you know, a lot of times that we, I don't even know how I got there now, but a lot of times we hear the word of God and, and we're built up in our faith and we're built up in strength. And, and apologetics is kind of like that also. And I, I kind of view it that. as the opposite. I view apologetics as being largely destructive. Uh, that is, it, it, it basically lays waste to all the false notions of God and exposes the lie for what it is. But, but only the gospel uh, which is not a defense of the faith, but it's the faith itself. Right. Only that can build up. So, so apologetics, is, I view, is largely a destructive exercise um, where where unbelief is challenged in its faulty presuppositions. I'll, I'll let you be wrong on this. All right. Well, that's, that's cool. <laughs> I think there's a there's a there's a learning and a training that goes on in the Lord's Supper, though. Too, you know, uh, Luther talks about in his twenty questions. Once, why do why do I go? Uh, to the Lord's Supper, that I may learn, uh, you know, that I may learn that Christ is my Savior, and and uh, this is an exercise in 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 trusting Christ, taking Him at His word, receiving the gifts of salvation. Uh, faith is kind of exercised in in that in that way, and so uh, the the Lord's table is a learning place too. It's a place where we learn to be forgiven. Uh, I think Kenneth Corby had a, a, a cool way of saying it. He said, "Disciples are disciplined." in being forgiven. Hmm. They learned the discipline of being forgiven. Now, we normally think of discipline as a law sort of right. thing, but he, he means that in the sense that that faith is trained in receiving forgiveness. And so we don't even ask Jesus, we don't say, gee, I went to the Lord's Supper on Monday, so I don't have to go next Sunday, or I kind of got that out of the way for the week. You ever get that? You get the, mid- yeah, yeah. the midweek service? So, right. well, got that out of the way, uh, you know, that we can we can go off to the desert or the mountains or something. And, right. and uh, you know, that's that's not quite the way it works either, is that uh, that faith always is looking to receive and is exercised and strengthened by receiving uh, the gifts of salvation. Sounds good to me. Sounds so- good. <laughs> Truly unscripted radio. Wait a minute, I need a drink. <laughs> We're trying to introduce an element of spontaneity you into the, the God whispers. You miss the... <laughs> or the burp. <laughs> These words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins show us that in the sacrament forgiveness of sins life and salvation are given to us through these words notice it's through the words right and, that's and that's what i was wanting to cue on oh, there okay. very good but uh once again we have here in the sacrament it is the word of god in various forms we have the word of god attached to the water and baptism the word of god attached to bread and wine in the lord's supper you know we we're to, I was just discussing this with some of the, with, with my board of elders uh, this morning. We, we were looking at the, this passage in the small called articles where uh, Luther talks about that the Holy Spirit deals with us only through the external word. And this is this firm reliance of Luther that God always works through the word. And so how do we know that this body, this, this bread and wine is the body and blood of Christ, the word of Christ? Right. And uh, what delivers forgiveness, life, and salvation? The word of Christ. You know, it's all contained in the, in, in the word. Um, and we don't look for God to be acting apart from that word, just like he called everything into existence by the word. So by the word, forgiveness, life, and salvation are imparted. And the word is Jesus. 
And the word is ultimately Christ. The, yeah. uh, the word made flesh. So what's the good word? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> which will, you know, if I were a professor at seminary, I, I think that on my tests, I would give like a tenth of a point if you just wrote Jesus in the blank. If you had no idea what the answer was, I might just no, give a tenth of a point. No, you, you, you couldn't do that. It, it, that's it, why I'm not a professor yeah, at seminary. Well, that's one reason. <laughs> one, one of many, actually. But. <laughs> That's why I call that the Sunday school answer. That's when kids, you know, kids just they're they're not paying attention. They're but Jesus, just just answer Jesus to anything, and it it might work. See, you but know? you'd be guaranteed. Who a... tempted Eve to eat the forbidden fruit? <laughs> just checking, kid. You you would be guaranteed an F. You know, if you just wrote Jesus and all the things. So you know, that's okay. Uh, how can bodily eating and drinking do such great things, Ben? Ah, the material question is the same one that came up in, in baptism. How can water do such great things? Yes. Um, and the answer is similar. Not just Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words here written, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, and notice it's along with. So, so we're not excluding the eating and the drinking because the words tell us to do that. But these words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Ah, finally, faith comes into this. You notice this is the first, the first um, inkling of faith mm. anywhere. You know, up until then, it's been objectively everything that, uh, you know, what did Christ do? What did he say? The words of Christ, the bread, the wine, the body, the blood. But here, finally, at the end, whoever believes these words, that is, trusts them, has what they say, namely the forgiveness of sins. So you have that big little, that the, the, the big, big little, the, the little the, big man, the litmus test. The, the big question is, what does an unbeliever receive or not receive at the Lord's Supper? Yes. <laughs> no, yes, doesn't work. <laughs> Well, this is where the body and blood of Christ is being given out, so I'm going to go with the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. But once again, we also have that the gospel to the believer is sweet, and the gospel to the unbeliever can be harsh law. So so the question is, with his or her mouth, what does the unbeliever receive? Well, according to this, bread and wine and the body and blood of Christ right. together. Right, the body and blood of Christ along with the bread and wine, right. because faith doesn't make it so. The Word makes it so. But what does the unbeliever not receive? The forgiveness of sins and the eternal life part. Yeah, and, you know, if we go with the, if we go with the um, nutritional value idea, that, that label of food and what it's worth, uh, to eat and drink the Lord's Supper in unbelief would be like eating and drinking food without a digestive system. <laughs> so the food goes in okay, but none of the val- none of the nutritive value of the food is 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 available to the body. And you'll probably just choke. Well, no, I'm assuming that the apparatus is all. It's just <laughs> oh, you know, it's like I got a friend who's who who uh, had uh, radiation therapy for cancer a long time ago, wiped out his digestive system. Mm. Now, I mean, all the all the stuff is there, and so he can eat and 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 process food, but it's his his system is very inefficient at extracting the nutritive value of food. So the guy eats like a horse. 
but doesn't gain any weight, something you and I would love to be able to do. He's constantly eating. How do I get this? <laughs> you don't want it. Believe me. Yeah. Well, yeah you want I'm Hodgkin's? assuming you have to have uh, a lot of shots for your vitamins and minerals and all that. Or well, you, how or do you, you just, absorb it? You just, keep, you just keep pounding food, especially high nutritive value food, you know, and just kind of – it's not that it's zero. It's just that it's very low, his ability ah. to absorb nutrition. Yeah, the problem is if I could do that and not gain weight, I'd be eating pizza and ice cream all day. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably clog not, your not arteries. Good. But the, not good. But, but so to eat and drink the Lord's Supper in unbelief, that is not trusting in Christ, uh, one still receives the gift of the body and blood of Christ. That, that's an irreducible thing. Sure. Um, and that's something that we disagree with the Reformed on, because they say bread and wine only. Now, Reformed, you're saying the Calvinists. I, yeah, I'm saying even the right. Calvinists, because because faith partakes of the higher things signified. The mouth partakes of the sign, the effective right. sign. But faith partakes of the higher things signified. And, now, and so you're missing that bridge, that connection between the sign and the things signified. I, I think that we did get into this before, but uh, in... To some Calvinists, what occurs in the Lord's Supper is that we ascend to heaven and dine on Christ in the heavenlies, and then reascend in a a spiritual yeah, descend back to earth in a spiritual sense, and uh, because Christ is locally at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, he's kind of chained to the throne there. Um, I think of that. um, anyway, there's there's an old cartoon I can't think of who did it from the 16th century where they have Jesus chained to the right hand of God and he has this fretful look on his on his face. But to the unbeliever, they are simply eating bread and drinking wine. They aren't receiving the body and blood of Christ. There are no benefits. I have to wonder in this theology: is there really harm, or is there really a threat? Good involved? question. I mean, it it. it it would it would seem to me that that there's no real risk here right because because if if the answer and of course the swinglian answer is bread and wine only um you know because uh oh, well there it's just a symbol anyway so but 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 there there is no potential harm and yet as i said in one of the previous programs that in my swinglian background there was still the potential for harm, even though there was no benefit. Hmm. Yeah. Is, the way, <laughs> now, that's a contradiction in terms. I mean, it's so— No, because the Bible says that those who do it wrongly uh, eat and drink judgment on themselves in and, and, and 1 Corinthians 11, and their interpretation of doing it wrongly was not confessing all your sins beforehand. Let a man examine himself was, right. in their interpretation, confessing all your sins. So if you don't confess all your sins, you're eating and drinking judgment. You know, if I, the thing is that— betrays the fact that it's not just bread and wine only, because bread and wine can't do this to you. You know, Paul says in, in that passage in 1 Corinthians 11, some, some of the Corinthians got sick and some died. Hmm. Now, bread and wine, unless unless you eat copious quantities, it's not going to kill you. They had uh, wheat allergies. <laughs> yeah, <right>. it was... <laughs> <coughs> so they, they did it wrong because they had allergies. Yeah, they had they some celiac uh, problem there. Yeah, clearly an aller- allergic reaction. But but see, that's that's the thing. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 11, out of the words of institution, Paul alternates between bread and body and wine and blood. 
and uh, and the people who approach the sacrament in in the wrong manner are profaning not just simply bread and wine, but the body and blood of Christ, mm. and and so incurred a judgment uh, in that sense. And so so you know you, you have to be careful here. It's 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 not our believing that does it, but the Word of Christ that does it. Well, that segues nicely into our next Did you part. swallow your <laughs> we got to take a break. Oh, we'll be right speaking back. Speaking in tongues. Handelish, 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 handelish. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. and I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about the Lord's Supper still. Always, we're doing we're doing well though. This we is, we are. We're making we're, progress we're, on we're this. Charging program. through it, but you know, once you get through the words of institution, I think you pretty much have answered everything. So so all the other stuff just kind of falls. You, you mean if you take Jesus at His word? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's now if you don't. You could write whole books. You got, you there, got a there lot are. to talk about. <laughs> By the way, I think one of the best books on the Lord's Supper, its history, its doctrine, is uh, Herman Zossi's This Is My Body. Oh, This Is My Body, yeah. Yeah, no, the, it's not from the We Confess uh, collection, but it's a self-standing book, uh, This Is My Body. He, he, it's mostly about Marburg and Luther and Swingley at the time of the Reformation. It, it is a bit on the academic side, but it's it's excellent. It, But, you know, the thing I like about it is Zossi is an excellent church historian. Yeah. And and he's integrated all this history so that it's not just not just reciting the historic facts but but he's looking at how the Lord's Supper has been handled throughout the history of the church and how the Lutheran Church in its treatment of the Lord's Supper has really kind of has recovered the ancient understanding mm. of the sacrament of you know because a lot of stuff starts getting messed up in the Middle Ages and and in medieval Catholicism. Uh, and but but he de- he really demonstrates how the the Lutheran Church has restored uh, the more primitive understanding of the Lord's Supper in in its simplicity. We were talking about this um, earlier that uh, we we had talked about Rome and Calvin and and Zwingli and the Lutheran view. Eastern Orthodoxy seems to be somewhere between us and Rome. Would you say that that's a fair assessment? You know, I can't really get a bead on it. I, 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 when I was at the seminary, I was a huge fan of Alexander Schmemann. And, There's uh, a name. And oh yeah, well he he was a he was he taught um, at Saint Vladimir's uh, Seminary in in New York. And um, excellent treatment of of the sacraments. Loved reading. In fact, uh, some of our profs would assign his stuff. Hmm. Uh, the little book for the life of the world is is a is a great uh, great treatment of of the Lord's Supper. Um, the thing about uh, Eastern Orthodoxy is because they they've been insulated from a lot of controversies. Mm-hmm. They don't have necessarily the same baggage that that we ended up with. No, nobody was debating what it was, so they they don't they don't really you know they don't have much to say. They just say what the Lord says and run with. So in that sense, we're kind of on the same page as they are. Um, they do have a tendency to to view it in terms of a sacrifice and things that we do, uh, but not to the same extent, not in the same way necessarily that Rome still does today. So, you know, I, I think we're we're rather close in many aspects of of the Lord's Supper to them. Now, Rome teaches that transubstantiation that it's no longer bread and wine, and it's just 
the yeah, see, body the, the Orthodox would say that's just a Western category. That's a Western way of speaking right. and just be done with it. And then uh, some Reformed and Zwinglians, whatever, would, would look at us and say that we teach consubstantiation, oh, yeah. which means with. I, I, I encountered that uh, some, on, on, on some blog comment thing where they were talking about the, the Lutheran teaching of consubstantiation. And we got to be clear, that's what the Reformed say we teach. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a, that's a Reformed tag on what they perceive as the Lutheran teaching, but now, it's, it's not accurate, though. Now, consubstantiation means the substance with, right? With the body and blood of Christ is the bread and wine. Is that a de- fair assessment de- of that Depends who you ask. I, I mean, I, if the way I see, if you look that term up, uh, just look it up, but do a Google search on it. What, what you'll see is is that that the the body of Christ and the bread are now form a, a new substance. Uh-oh. You know, uh, and so so it's almost like the Eutychian error yeah. of Christology, where God and man become kind of a hybrid of God and man, or something like that. Um, the 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 problem is we we don't talk about things in terms of substance. We just you know that that may be a convenient shorthand, but it's it's not what we're saying. We're just saying is that the bread is body and the body is bread we don't say you have you have something that has two substances now side by side or mixed together or hybridized or however you want to do it uh, we just say one is the other we tend to run our view of the lord's supper along with our christology um we reject what Swirla just said, Eutychianism, which is a blending of the two natures of Christ. And the opposite would be? Nestorianism. Which would be? Which is a tearing apart of the two natures there you are, of Christ. Yeah, yeah. The two ditches in the road. Right? So either way, you end up with a lesser god or, or a superman, pretty much. Or just saying too much. Or just saying too much <laughs> is, is another way of, of looking at it. So with the Lord's Supper, we do the same thing. And I guess you could say we have a Chalcedonian Christological view of the Lord's Supper, which would be a whole new category that I've never heard. Well, but, you, uh, you know, it does it does point out, it is the Lord's Supper, it's Christ, and so what you say about Christ ought to be consistent with his supper, too. Right. You know, and, and, and it's true, it flows out of Christology. And so when somebody raises the objection, hey, wait a minute, you know, the human body and blood of Christ can't be all over the world, Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, yeah. as, as that would imply in a Lord's Supper, where he's present all over the place at these Lord's Suppers. You know, we don't attribute this can't when God and man are united in one person. All bets are off. Well, I'm going to argue the other side on this. If Jesus is fully man, uh, as a man, you're not capable of being in more than one place at one time. So, therefore, Jesus can't be in the Lord's Supper at all places at all times, especially since the Word of God says that he is locally at well it doesn't say locally but he is <laughs> yeah. he is at the, <laughs> he is at the right hand of God the Father in heaven yeah well the the big error that's, grasshopper that's, that's is, my calvinist is buddy can't here. you know right. the minute you say god can't that's when that's when the yellow card comes off and if you say it again you get a red card and you have to go to the bench you well know? you don't understand according to my logic god can't operate this way <laughs> there there you go so <laughs> red card you're done that's it. go to the showers <laughs> you know god so, can't so so according to my logic is the problem here is my logic is a fallen logic and <laughs> I, I love the notion that what God can't do, we can do. So, so, right, so right. That so, one's awful. So he can't come down to us, but we can go up to him. You know? Spiritually. Spiritually. Well, you know, that's that's also in the liturgy, too. The very unfortunate. Uh, those those old sentences back from the early 
the early days of the liturgy, the Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like we're at the gymnasium now doing some heart lifting. I never got that connection before. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's a mistranslation. You know, in, in the Latin, it's sursum corda, uh, hearts up. Or up yours, <laughs> but it's it's and and the and the response is habemus uh, uh, dominum. We have them to the Lord. That that in other words, uh, the blessings are coming down. Uh, you know, orient your hearts to the source of all blessing. There's no there's no kind of lifting. The lifting notion, you know, that's the church's gymnasium thing kicking in. And, I've always been curious about that line. Yeah, it's 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 really it, not it seems it's not weird. a good translation. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think we would be satisfied with hearts up. <laughs> Cuz I swear, you know, the, the response is up yours. <laughs> so we wouldn't want to go there. But but actually literally it's hearts kind, up. Kind of sounds like saddle up or man up or something. Kind right? of. Okay. Saddle I'm, up. Yes, yeah, saddle up. Uh, but but you know the whole idea is when Jesus prays, you know what does he do? He he lifts his eyes to heaven. Uh, you know that was the that was the normal posture of prayer. Wait, you mean he didn't pull him out and hold him up to God? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but the whole idea is that 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 we are turned toward God from whom all blessings flow. We're not we're not going boldly going where God can't go. You know that that's just that's just absurd. That that God can't come down to us in in the human humanity of Christ but we can go and ascend to him in our hearts by faith you know it's just crazy well uh here's here's I, the other I thing I got to agree with you on that here's here's <laughs> the here's the other thing is if Jesus is the mediator between God and men you know and so he sees the go between the one who stands between and he perfectly touches us with respect to our humanity and he perfectly touches the father with respect to his divinity how can we have it flipped around you know, in other words, that it, it makes sense that he should come to us in terms of our humanity, well, in his body and blood, not in terms of his divinity. That ain't going to help us in the least. That's part of our problem. Because as as a Calvinist, I got to assume, and I'm going to speak on their behalf ignorantly here, but we're trying to protect the proper Christology— and therefore, we're trying to make sure that we aren't tearing apart the two natures of Christ. So he is locally present in heaven, and that would be according to both natures. So we have to ascend to him because he's lo- locally present there. He's 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 yeah, stuck you're there. Using, you're using that naughty word. I know it's, it's a bad word, but <laughs> that makes heaven a place too. See, that's the other thing. Well, is that yeah. the heaven heaven is some kind of a, it's, it's a little bit to the the to the, to the east of Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Well, we know it's not St. Louis. Right. We've been there. Yeah, we've been, yeah. No, no, that's no question about that. That's, it so, is that is the holy city. But, so but uh, yeah. in an attempt to protect the the proper Christology, we say silly things like we're going there. And well, it's because we dine with him in the heavenlies already, and not yet. The Bible says. It, you, you, I think you're absolutely right. It, it's all the history of Christology because you're going to defend one thing or the other. So if you try to defend Jesus' divinity, you're going to downplay his humanity and mess up. And if you try to defend his humanity, 
which I think part of that is what this is about, because the whole idea is, hey, it's not part of being truly human to be ubiquitous. That is present all over the place. Yeah, and they say ubiquity like it's a four-lettered word. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. But, you know, and this gets into those three genera that you plague seminarians with all the time, yeah. is that when God and man are united in one person, interesting things happen. Hmm. You know, and that is that the humanity takes on some of the, the takes on the divine attributes, and so indeed, uh, you know, you and I can't be present everywhere. But it's it's it has nothing to do with our humanity. It's the fact that we're not divine and human together. Right. You know, there's this uniqueness of Jesus. So we we ask the question: what What are these other churches receiving? And we confess that it's. <laughs> I, I guess the body and blood of Christ here, but uh, I, I want to get to I the email. Questions. I want to get to the email here, and we yeah. we can talk about this. Uh, our friend Larry writes: uh, Is after a whole bunch of other stuff, is it the real Lord's Supper in other churches that don't doctrinally adhere to the real and true body and blood presence? Why or why not? And another one I've wrestled with is: Is it really the Lord's Supper, or at least half of it? If grape juice is used. Oh. <laughs> Sooner or later, the grape juice question comes up. <laughs> oh, man, we've we've stalled it off for four episodes, and now you bring up grape juice. Well, Larry did. The, so uh, we blame Larry for that see, one. See, you know, again, this is, this is kind of a Reformation-era question, the is it or isn't it. Um, you know, and, and I— for my money, it's basically, look, I mean, it, are they doing and saying what Jesus did and said? Then you cannot say it's not a Lord's Supper. Do they have the body and blood of Christ? Well, listen to what they say about it. They'll tell you. I remember Nagel's big answer. They say they don't have it. <laughs> I don't, you know, I mean, I, I have to make assumptions. I, I, I assume that if if I see bread and wine and I hear the words of Christ— uh, you know, I, I have to I I have to take Christ at his word there. We mentioned before, we talked about before that in communion we are being united here. And if I go to a place where they're confessing wrongly about this and they're saying ridiculous things about it, I don't think I want to be reunited in that. Well that's so yeah. I you know, I personally would sit back and say, um, no, I'm not going to be part of that. That gets into the whole um, closed communion thing, and, right. and and that is, you know, if it is a sacrament of our unity, that is, if it if it you know if it shows our unity and works our unity, then things that disunite us need to get out of the way. And if there's stuff disuniting us, then then we shouldn't be communing together. There's kind of a a hypocrisy going on or a fraud going on in that. Um, and you know, by by you go up and and receive the Lord's Supper at a place that doesn't believe it's the body and blood of Christ, your very presence in doing so says you agree with them, pretty much. You know, well, it's it's kind of like a silent vote. That's why I tell people, you know, people. You, who, you mean by going forward or just by being there? Uh, by going forward and yeah. participating right. in it. You know, if you're just an observer, you're kind of saying I'm not on on the same page here. Right. But if you actually participate in it, that's tacitly going along with it. Right, right. Because there's a unity that occurs in this. And we aren't just being united as, you know, brother man and being pals here. You know, we're we're or united even, in e- the e- confession of what's going on as well. Yeah, and even just simply broadly as fellow Christians. Yeah. You know, there's there's a certain sense that we are divided and we gotta own those divisions. And that you know, and it gets into the whole close communion is an ugly business because these days people pretty much roll their own Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on some days we go and hang with the Episcopalians and commune there, and then we really like the preaching over at the Baptist Church, so we go there, and if they happen to have communion, we'll uh, we'll we'll participate in that too. 
and uh, you know, and so people don't have much regard for for what a particular church stands for or teaches. It's all individual now, mm-hmm. and so they get they get bent when somebody says you can't you can't come and commune here because you're not on the same sort of confessional page as we are. They they don't get that at all. Well, unfortunately, even in our own church body, we have many extremes in many directions on these things, and uh, you have those who. Um, they don't care if you have an LCMS tattoo or not, unless you're confessing exactly like they do with the proper, uh, you know, proper shape and size of your LCMS tattoo. You're not welcome to participate with their Lord's Supper. And on the other extreme, you have y'all come, doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist or a Hindu or whatever. And uh, somewhere in between, there's a matter of responsible communion practice without being a jerk and without being sloppy and helping people hurt themselves. Yeah, well, and and yeah, see I I think that closed communion is more of a horizontal practice than it's a vertical. Now guys are going to disagree on this. Sure. But but I I think it's a matter of owning your confession. And and so because in in the early church if 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 your bishop and the neighboring bishop didn't get along, they had a they had a problem, they had a disagreement, uh all inner communion was off until they settled their problems. Well, you know, it's the same thing. We don't, we don't, we're not looking at it in terms of bishops, but we are looking at it in terms of church bodies and confessions. And, you know, if you honestly think that uh, your church is right, it means that you also think some other churches are wrong. Hmm. <laughs> so own it, you yeah. know, just own that and, and learn what that's about. And, uh, and, you know, if you disagree, then, well, then maybe you ought to be looking <laughs> elsewhere. But um, the, the thing is, what, what we've got today is just a lot of lazy yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's really a kind of a lazy confessionalism that just says, well, you know, we believe in Jesus and the rest just kind of, you know, we just leave the rest of the details. It's not a big deal. When I lived in Connecticut, one of my best friends was the American Baptist pastor in town, and uh, we had lunch every week, and he said, "You don't you think that the Lutherans are right?" Like that was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, "And you're a Baptist because you're wrong?" Is that- <laughs> Well, but but you know he's very liberal, and he had this attitude of, "Well, we should just all be united, and it doesn't really matter what we believe. We should just be united." And and uh, you can't be united when someone's right and someone's wrong. You can't be united in their wrongness if you're right, or or vice versa. You know, you you look at what Paul says in First Corinthians eleven. He talks about whoever eats and drinks the cup, of the, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. That's the manner now. It's not they're they're unworthy. It's how they're approaching it. Uh-huh. He says it will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. By the way, I mean to me that just tells you it's the body and blood of the Lord because you're not just profaning bread and wine. You're actually guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. So he says, let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You know the primary responsibility is on the communicant, uh, and anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body drinks eats and drinks a judgment upon himself. And he says what that means. Some of you are weak and ill. Some have died. Um, et cetera. So, you know, there, there are things at stake here. And, and I think, you know, if you honestly care about the health and the well-being of the people who are there, spiritually, physically, and otherwise, then, mm-hmm. then, then we're going to take a little bit of a caution about uh, people coming to the Lord's Supper, not just kind of dole it out like a Pez dispenser. Right, right. Well, in my church, I've reinstituted a form of Luther's exhortation before the Lord's Supper, where I pretty much stand up and say what we believe about this and, uh, you know, who rightly receives this. And uh, if you don't believe these things, haven't been baptized and so forth, 
we ask that you'd hold off. Come talk to me. Let's have a, a time together in the Word of God. Let's come to an agreement on this before we proceed. And we just ask that things would be done in a right manner and in a proper order. And, you know, we aren't looking to make sure that you have a, a proper understanding of the three genera of Christ and, and you know. That oh, you, that'd be nice. <laughs> you know, we, we, we aren't looking for a complete and total agreement on all things in, in the Book of Concord because— Frankly, we wouldn't be communing each other for the most part as pastors a lot of times. Oh, because, I don't, you know, I don't know about that. I, the, the, no, I, I, I don't agree with that. I, I, we are looking for agreement, and when we, we, we might be, we might be ignorant of our disagreement, and that's okay. But the minute we become aware that we've got a difference, I think we got to settle these differences. Okay, I mean, so we've got to decide whether those differences are really. They're not just in that realm of what you're talking about before that we're just kind of speculating and stuff, but they're actually real, genuine differences. Okay, so some of our brother pastors who are saying uh, you must recognize a perpetual virginity of Mary because the confessions talk about it, but or, it's, it's not a confessional or item, or we're not in confessional unity here. Uh, you know, I'm I'm questioning if you're even a Christian, let alone a Lutheran, if you don't believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. Blah 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 blah. You know, on these things, we're not going to agree. Yeah, but that's not a confessional item. I, I would say, but look, it's in the confessions. But so, so is things like you know, garlic juice and magnets. I personally and, and hold to that one. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> It'd be more like you know, if we disagree on how one is saved, um, you know, even though that doesn't have anything directly to do with the Lord's Supper, but if we think we're saved by our decision and our piety and our prayers. Uh, then we have a difference. We we have a serious you know difference of of perspective on on what the Word of God says about salvation. Okay, even though we might agree on what the nature of the Lord's Supper. Well, is. Well, you and I agree on that one, but and, of, and every anybody who adheres to the Lutheran Confessions agrees on that. Well, and some of our brothers who would agree on that level would still say if you don't have a tabernacle or you're not a, you know confessing those the are true, not confessional the, issues. The true virgin perpetual virginity of Mary, then you know maybe we shouldn't even be in communion fellowship. Yeah, and, but see, when when people do that, they're adding on. You know, one of the rules I would say is that we should we should avoid piling on when it comes to confessions. Keep it simple. You know, even just simply the Nicene Creed <laughs> and the right understanding that go a long way to sorting things out. But but you know that's that's just piling on. That's just saying I've got a I've got a little little noogie that you don't here. And and really that yeah we we always worry about the sin of unionism getting together with people who you know, we shouldn't be getting together with. There's also the sin of, of sectarianism where you create divisions Absolutely. where there shouldn't be. So, you know, I just say, you know, my point is keep it, keep it to things that have to do with the gospel. Well, that's just because you're a reductionist. I am. You know, I'm you, totally, you don't, dude, uh, just, I just, everything is about the gospel. You don't go for all the bells and whistles here. <laughs> no, you, I don't. You don't even have the right fuzzy dice hanging from your rearview mirror. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate here, folks. I, you know, I I tend to agree with Bill on this one, but uh, uh, there are those. I worry about people who advocate for the devil. <laughs> I'm just a, giving him the look. I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are those Water, even by the way. even in our own circles, and every church body has that. Where you have, you know, four pastors, you'll have 18 opinions. Um, the other half of this is the. Uh, the the bread and and wine and the grape juice 
And, um, you know, what do we make of, of this whole grape juice oh, thing? Oh, the grape juice thing. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm, so, I'm so sorry you brought that up. Well, Larry did. Blame Larry. Yeah. Thanks, Larry. I, Larry's my whipping boy. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go to the mat on this one. Uh, you know, grape, grape juice is 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 a it's it's a it's a late comer on the scene. Yeah. You know, it was invented by that Welch's guy. Yeah, and I blame uh, Louis Pasteur myself. Well, <laughs> no, he did more harm, or he did more good than harm there. Uh, but but no, I mean, grape grape juice is is was invented during prohibition, no less, and and the whole temperance movement. Uh, by by Welch, who uh, actually hawked this stuff to the churches, basically say you don't have to use wine now. You can use, you, you know, you don't have the scandal of alcohol. His name was Thomas Bramwell Welch, um, a physician and a dentist, no less, but uh, discovered that if you pasteurized grape juice, it wouldn't ferment. Yeah, and and I am. A, I'm just going to put it as personal opinion here, okay? Because I I know our church body has done something slightly different with this. I don't even know what our church body's done with this. I it, well, I, I think dealcoholized wine is okay. Oh, I call yeah. that neutered wine. Well, to be honest and fair, that dealcoholized wine is recognized by wine wine tasters and so forth as wine. And these are the experts, so I'll well, give them that much. Okay, good for them. Um, <laughs> You know, to, to but be, you are the chemist, so yeah, you know. But the great grape juice is 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 introducing. I think it's 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 moving away from the the institution of the Lord. It's just an it's an unknown thing in in his day. You're you're just introducing something that that just wasn't there. And whenever we do that, we introduce problems, doubt. We've taken it into our own hands. It's no longer the Lord's supper. It's our supper now, and we're kind of redefining it. Now, with the grape juice came the institution of the little, the little cups. Yeah, that's true. You know, people didn't, people weren't worried about so and much. And now we have the little cups and wine, which is really weird. Oh, I know, but I know, yeah, and that I'm afraid is 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 here to stay for a while. Yeah, I mean, but I would never, I would never have let them in. But but once you let them in, it, it's it's like it's hard to get rid of those things. Oh, yeah. And the question is, is it outside the institution of Christ? Well, the, 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 the institution of Christ says he took the cup after supper. He's very specific that it was his cup that he took mm-hmm. and distributed to his disciples. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a good rule of thumb. Don't go outside the words of institution. They are the limit of what you can know. And they're the limit of what you can do. You know, it doesn't specify whether they were sitting or standing, whether the utensils were made of clay or glass or gold or, you know, it doesn't say anything like he, he that. You didn't tell them to kneel at a rail? Apparently not. It's oh. just it's just not there. I mean, they were reclining <laughs> on cushions at low tables, but that's not in the text. You know, it's just not there. And so the, the words of institution and that, that narrative kind of define uh, the limits both positively and negatively of, of what we can say and what we can do. That is interesting. I never really thought about this, that uh, they probably pass the cup to each other instead of just, you know, very, every time it goes back to Jesus and then, it, okay, Thomas, okay, very Matthew. Likely. I okay. mean, logistically, it probably wasn't possible. <laughs> right. That kind of movement wouldn't, right. wouldn't have been possible. But but again, you know, that that's not that's not at stake here. No. And, and, uh, and so, you know, We've come to different places as to to what the bottom line is. Uh, some would say it's just strictly the elements. Do you have bread and wine and the words of Jesus? You know, that's it. That's sufficient. Um, others would go a little bit further and say, well, there's there there are some. You know, it goes a little bit further than that. There's the cup, 
Uh, there's no notion of, of cups. Of course, I, I always like to point out that there's no notion of little stamped out wafers either. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Paul talks about partaking of one loaf. And the, the symbolism there is a bit lost when they're they're pre uh you know, they're pre broken up or in fact they're not even they never were one. They were just they're just stamped out as wafers. I then you got the Orthodox with their weird thing of uh, spooning. Yeah. The uh you know the so they, 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 they make a mush. They put the bread into the cup and then and then they kinda of flick it into into the mouths of the communicants with a spoon. There's a, you have a special sort of technique that you learn. Because we know Jesus did that. Well, you know, and, and I have no I have no clue where that comes from. I'm sure we'll get some emails saying you know, but I have no clue. And and in the words of institution, the bread came first the cup came second and there was a long meal in between so mm. so the 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 eating and the drinking are separate events here you can't bring them together interesting and yeah. then you get the people who want to dunk oh yeah the dunkers yeah, the intention the, yeah guys. that's right that's the the kind of the oreo cookie thing going on there so everybody everybody dunks which is not what it says to do either. Well, that's a Eutychian view there of, uh, no, I won't go there. <laughs> I won't go there. I like Capon. He says, we're always trying to improve on Jesus' morals and his hygiene. You know, the Lord, he just doesn't have his act together. Right. He doesn't realize this is an addictive substance. They're all going to become drunkards later. If he would have had grape juice, he would have used it, darn it. <laughs> and, and, and also his hygiene. He just didn't understand about the spread of germs and all those horrific diseases, you know, so so we're kind of improving. We we want a better we, we want a better version than the version he gave us. I, I found an old um, um, altar guild book in my church the other day, and I was flipping through it, and they had recipes for making your own communion bread. I think that's a really kind of cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know that in some orthodox in orthodox parishes that that goes around, and, and they have this like this wooden seal that that puts an imprint on the, on the bread, and it goes around to the different families, and they kind of take up and and you know that's their duty for the the week is to make the uh, I think it's called the prosperon the 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 but it's the the bread uh, that's used, which I think is a very cool idea. But I, I live in fear. There's enough that goes wrong on Sunday, <laughs> you know, and you know how it somebody is. will forget. Yeah, your basic it. Lutheran the, oh, parish. It was my turn. It was my turn, and we're going to the beach house this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would always have a bunch in the freezer ready to go. You well, know? we're out of time, but uh, maybe I'll put some of these recipes up on the Wittenberg Trail, the endless thread on the God Whispers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. On the, on Until the, then. Our favorite song, Jesus, which is which is now our theme song. We're stuck with this. I know people yeah. are upset. No, actually, people are looking forward to it now. Jesus but here it is. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that He's one who will never leave you flat Jesus is a friend of mine Jesus is my friend Jesus is a friend of mine I have a friend in Jesus Jesus is a friend of mine